0: Welcome to InsideTheHive.tv podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Umberto Boncristiani. In this podcast, we talk about the teachings of the most successful society in natural history, the honeybees. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner and an advanced beekeeper or just curious about honeybees. Here, you'll find great conversations to educate and entertain yourself about this wonderful insect. From honeybee biology to how to make money with honeybees, you won't miss anything here. In this episode, I sit down with Dr. Sanford to discuss an article he wrote years ago that is still very relevant today. We talk about the ongoing conflict between beekeepers and honeybee researchers. What do beekeepers want and expect from researchers? What do researchers want and expect from beekeepers? It is a fascinating topic and I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, Professor. Welcome back. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know why you want to talk about this subject specifically with me. There is anything related with because it's me and my relationship with academia.
1: Well, I think it does. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking for a focus of this particular uh, topic that we're talking about. I wrote on, uh, an article on my uh, website uh, called What Scientists and Beekeepers Want. And uh, that was something that uh, I ginned over a few few years about what trying to figure out what, what beekeepers and, and, uh, and scientists were all about. And that's, that we put that in the show notes, that particular uh, article that I've written up. And uh, the, basically, if you boil it down to two things, beekeepers want results Beekeepers want results of uh, whatever studies are being done. Researchers want results, yes, but they're really interested in what they're interested in publication. So sometimes that gets that get turned around, and and so people say beekeepers have said in the past, you know, all researchers care about is is publishing. Well, they do care about publishing, but that's not the only thing, obviously. And then over time, then researchers say, well, beekeepers don't give a damn what we're doing. You know, we're like. We're, we're, we need to publish so we can get the results and then they can understand and, and figure out what's going on so that's kind of the, the 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 gist of that particular article
0: professor when when did you publish that article because I think the things is still the same and I've been in three four universities so far and I can attest to you that I wouldn't think anything changed since you published that article when well, it was published it was published on my website
1: I, I suspect, around uh, 2000 and, Several so, like, like 2017 or something like that. I'm not sure exactly. I have to go back and look to see.
0: Yeah, I think, but, uh, I think it is a, a constant battle. Decades ago too, I remember my father as a beekeeper having issues with researchers in Brazil back in the day when I yeah. was, what, 15. My father was concerned when I started to go to the research area and and He was afraid that I was going to become one of those. He, that's the <laughs> you're going to become one of those uh, scientists that I'd say a lot of things but don't say anything. That's that's the. <laughs> well, that's
1: I, I, we're not going to you know we're we're not we're not, not going to solve that problem in this in this podcast. But I think we are. We we do need to refer back to it on occasion. I think you're right about that. And uh, and so in my career, it's the same thing. Now you know, remember that that we're, we're, two different kinds of guys. You, you're a, a kind of a trained, uh, researcher, a trained scientist, and then you're doing publications and you're doing your write-ups and you're doing your website and whatever else. I come from another background. I come from the, what's what we call in the United States, at least the extension background, the extension being the extension of public of information from, from research into usable information. And so that's part part of the problem here. In that in that sense, that that, that and these two things again, we, as uh, as you note mentioned, are you know are constant within the within the system. So we just have to deal with that.
0: Yeah, and and I need to go, we need to go deep to try to understand the roots of that. The two sides have a point. The people right. are expecting something different from the researchers, right? And 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 the researchers. I think sometimes they're too focused on their own game to understand what the beekeepers want or need or expecting from them. And, and But the most of the time, what the beekeepers are expecting from the researchers are not the researcher's job description. So they're trying to do things for them that they, they're not supposed to be doing. And, and it's a different game. And, and that, for me, was an opportunity for what I do today. Because I, I've been in there. When I come to the United States, I made a promise to my dad. I think you interviewed me on that. That I'm going to come to help the beekeepers and bees. And it was really hard for me to help the beekeepers the way they want and need. And at the same time, playing the game to be an academic, to survive in academia. Right, that would yeah. be impossible. It is impossible for to do both. I need right. to decide right. which one I'm going to do it. So, let's have. that's why we have Alberto, two people on this
1: podcast. You're the. Re- I, I look at you as the research side of the of the equation, and I look at myself as sort of the extension side. I mean, we can't completely divorce ourselves from the two things we're talking about, but we can separate ourselves a little bit. So, in my website, that's one of the things in my website that I'm looking at and trying to and have developed. Uh, as kind of expertise in doing is trying to to bring the bring that research to a usable to a usable form, and uh, then then beekeepers can can uh, choose what they want. The other thing that's important to understand is, of course, that that uh, I'm a geographer, really, from uh, from a uh, sort of my academic background, and uh, really beekeeping is is really all about geography in the sense that it's it's different everywhere you go. And so, if you have certain certain things that are going on, you know they may not be applied somewhere else simply because the geographic situation is different.
0: That's exactly what I do on a daily basis, Professor. I, I have that lesson learned pretty well. Beekeeping beekeeping is local. You need you need That's to right. do the experimental the experiments locally with the beekeepers to bring solutions that work for that specific person. So that's kind of my business model when I'm doing my private consultant, I, I knew for a fact that inside the academia, I would generate information, uh, but th- that information will be useful for just a handful of people that know how to get that and translate for, the, for themselves. Uh, but it's very hard for a person that is not trained in science to translate that information. To be useful for themselves and that create those expectations from beekeepers and they start to be frustrated because they see a lot of information from beekeepers that they don't understand or don't know how to use for themselves or information that at the end of the day is not useful for them in the specific area that they are so it is it is quite challenging so and that's exactly what i do i go to places and beekeepers hire me to do experiments that work for them that's it. I generate information that works for them. And so far so good. Uh, it's, it's been challenging as a business model, but I'm happier doing that. Uh, it's fun to work with the beekeepers directly and, and, and companies that are trying to do the same, bring solutions for the beekeeping industry. And I wonder, uh, in your experience, Professor, with so many years doing this, do you see anything that we can do to to, to help more to you know to to, to fill fill the gap of that bridge between how you can get that the scientist trying to do something more practical it if it is possible in the academic environment and beekeepers perhaps try to educate themselves a little bit more in the scientific method to understand what the researchers are doing right. and try to absorb the information that are useful for them and not being expecting every single thing the researchers do is going to be beneficial to them because that's not never going to happen. Right. I agree with that. Do you, do you see anything we can do to, to perhaps help with that? Something that you, you know, you're doing this for so long. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I think, I think we have to, uh, it's very difficult because, uh, uh, often uh, the, the advice you give to beekeepers they don't take. <laughs> from my perspective, that's something that uh, you know say is okay, is you know you have to deal with. and I'm sure the scientists, the scientists is the same way. They have certain things and, and it doesn't take with a beekeeper either. So you really have to go back to the beekeeper and say, what is it? Uh, where are this, where's the information coming from? And is it is it something that that we can use? and uh kind of go from there now there are ways of doing that you know, there's this thing i wrote in my outline here a little bit about uh the history of beekeeping we could start with what i call the federal labs yeah federal labs uh, you know you're up there in near beltsville and you're i guess your wife's working for beltsville yeah the beltsville yeah. lab <laughs> so uh that's the, the so the, the the classical beekeeping research was done in these labs and we have now what four of them now i think we got beltsville we've got tucson we've got baton rouge and uh what's the other one the way we have we had? the uh i used to have check i gotta go back on my notes in
0: it, 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 uh, yeah it's i don't remember either. uh baton rouge beltsville tucson and
1: westlaco yep westlaco was a good lab at one time but not anymore Noted. but those are the, those are the three anyway uh, and they, they they will they will probably get in and out as time goes on uh Tucson Baton Rouge, Beltsville, and uh I think Westaco was the one that just recently was retired they don't do that anymore and then there's the one for the for the went out in 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 the west uh, which is for uh, not for honeybees but for stingless bees other kinds of bees is done. I think that's in Logan,
0: Logan, Utah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But well, Professor, maybe we should explain a little bit of the, the role of those labs and the difference from these labs and academic labs, because the, there, are, there are differences that I think we should address. For example, those government labs, they have a budget every year provided by the government to do research and specifically for honeybees and to make those the de- something useful for the industry. They're more directly related with the with the directly needs of the industry. Uh, and, and academic labs are more, they are more, there are more freedom of what they do, they, they are developing experiments to, for example, to answer broader questions about B biology or it is not something that could immediately be addressing something that is in need uh, in the industry, but it, it it's, it's something that could potentially be exploring in the future. There is more freedom in academic labs than in the government labs that have specific issues that, which is to address problems in the beekeeping industry. Uh, so well, they have to communicate too. They have to communicate
1: with each other. That's part of the issue. That, that, that's true. To, so you're right about that.
0: But the goals are different, and if people need to to understand those goals because sometimes they go to academic labs with the professor that is studying some basic biology of bees, just using honey yeah. as a model to something else, and start to point fingers to the guy that didn't bring anything useful for him, and the guy was just, "This is not my job. I'm I'm studying." <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that happens a lot uh anyway
1: that if we talk about beyond the uh, the, the historical aspects of it th- in terms of the the history there are there also the, the, we have to go back to look at publications where the information is published and so we're not we haven't talked about yet the role of the so-called bee publications in the united states that would be like bee culture magazine the american bee journal our international there's the international bee research association uh, there's a coloss.org now that uh, is a, a European outfit uh, that not publishing so much. It doesn't have its own magazine, but it is a research outfit that kind of fits the mold of the of the uh, European. And in my book that I that I wrote about, uh, I, I went and visited those yeah, labs a little bit when I was in Italy and in France back in the six nineteen sixty and nineteen ninety six and so on. So that was a uh, you know part of that part of my. Trying to figure out what, in fact, they were doing, and how they were operating and so on. So we have to deal with that. So it's a it's a complex thing. There's no question about that, in terms of uh, what 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 is possible. What is possible. So that those, uh, but 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 beekeepers need to know about those resources, and they need to be you know kept up to up to stuff on that particular thing. The obviously ABJ, a, for example, and and bee culture. They have their there are big encyclopedias of <laughs> of beekeeper beekeeping that uh, they publish every once in a while, and uh, that's that's part of it too. So you, beekeepers need to have a, a significant library, in in essence, of uh, these kinds of uh, publications.
0: Yeah, those those magazines are very well established magazines. They are there for I don't know how many years, and you you probably know them more than I do. Uh, I think it would be a good exercise here, professor, to explain also the differences between those types of articles and scientific articles. because I, I see beekeepers sometimes kind of confused when, when you said it's not published. and they said, yes, it is published. I've saw it in the magazine in the big culture magazine. so there is this confusion about the different kinds of articles and publications. Maybe we should go and talk a little bit about that. Well,
1: yeah, there's no question about that. That's, uh, that, that is that uh, that is is something worth looking at. Uh, I, I was trying to think, the, 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 the Colonist Magazine, back way back when, I don't know exactly when, they talked about, I have to go, I have to actually go to my website to see some of this stuff. Maybe I should do that.
0: Yeah, and I think we can grow that, and I can start to, to explain here uh, it, what the peer review magazine research article is uh, in the scientific method is something mandatory is the, the, the data need to be analyzed by many different people, you know, in a in scientific method, there are, when you, when we are doing the experiments to, to try to answer a scientific question, there are biases, there are a lot of things that our brain cannot control and can bias ourselves to different directions. And part of the scientific method is to find a system that defend the data from these biases that we cannot control as human beings. So part of the scientific method is to have your data analyzed by other researchers from the same field, people that are specialized in do similar things, so they can caught you uh, in, in, in whatever you're writing or the, whatever analytic methods you're using, to, to try to get rid of those biases and publish the best a version of the interpretation or the data analysis that you can possibly get from that or make or find the mistakes that completely uh, invalidate the data that you're trying to publish. So it is very important in the scientific method when we, we, for example, myself, I finish a study of two years and put the data together. I need to send this data to a journal, and this journal is going to have an editor, a kind of judge, and this judge is gonna send for two independent observers, uh, reviewers, which are specialists in the same field. That's gonna criticize whatever I whatever I wrote, whatever methods I used to analyze the data, and anything else they can possibly see in those uh, articles. So there is this vetting system, which is very important in the in the scientific community before you publish something. However, in in other magazines, this vetting system doesn't exist. There are not peer-reviewed magazines or articles. So to just go there and and the editor decide by himself is gonna publish or not based on many criteria that sometimes we don't even understand. It's not a scientific criteria. It's more something that is gonna be more related what the viewer of that specific magazine wants to hear or read, so they're more open. They're and they're not verified too. So yeah, th- but, that, but that's that that just be research, Huberto. Uh, that's all yeah. kinds
1: of research. Yeah, you know, okay. and, and right. the same the same the same questions and, and whatever that we're talking about is is mm-hmm. available in all kinds. For example, this economist article I talk about uh, was uh, talked about a, a particular studies with different kinds of people and so on. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, uh, well-designed studies with little research bias has only 85% of being right. <laughs> they say right. that, uh, other, other powered poorly performance study has about a 70% chance of producing true conclusions. And uh, so that's, that's the kind of thing that, uh, that is out there. And and it, and is to some degree you have to determine whether they're right about that, but that's, that's what they're publishing in, in the economist. I think economists is a pretty good, this was in, this was published in uh, 2005. Uh, the token, the, uh, the failure or the, the successes of, of scientific publication. Um, There are
0: problems in all those systems, professor, and I think these are the discussions we need to be having because people need to understand how those systems work so we can always, you know, improve them instead of, uh, just reject uh, all the, the systems we have in place. I think those discussions are very important. Uh, for example, uh, for me from the scientific community, I see a lot of problems with the systems and, and the editors and academics that have so much things to do. For example, I, I, I spend what one, two, three, four universities here in the United States doing big research. and, I, and I... something that bothers me a lot is how little amount of time the researcher, the, 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 the head of the laboratory has to overview the students doing the, the research. Um, it is it, it is mind-boggling because the, once you have your own lab, your mind completely focused to raise money to the university. You need to be writing grants and finding money sources. And very, very little of your time is spending on it really in this critical uh, process of the experimental design uh, of, of teaching the students how to do exactly what need to be done, going in the field of overview make sure that things are being done correctly. It's very few of times and I saw a lot of mistakes being made, a lot of problems and I don't know how to fix that in the field and and with that thing we created data. That then is going to be judged by other people in the same situation and things start to accumulate i think this is a problem we have with the system because there are problems and and yeah. and mistakes and, and and biases that still going into the system and beekeepers are really good to find some of those being the person in the field a hundred percent of the time observing the bees they can clearly see some things are wrong with some experimental design sometimes, and then start even more conflict. I don't know what you think about that if you saw something like that when you were uh, at the, the many universities that you worked at before.
1: Well, I think it's uh, what we're talking about is uh, is, is standard, the kind of information that, uh, I got, I don't know how to solve it. <laughs> can't oh, remember yeah, I, I that, sorry. but we, we can talk about it, which is what we're doing, obviously. No, but that's, that's the concept. And then my outline that I created a little bit here, let's see if I can find it again. Uh, I, I talked about the, uh, one of the things that I talked about that, that really amped up honeybee research was 2006 when uh, something called CCC, CCD, Colony Collapse Disorder, made its appearance. yes. At that point, there was a hit, I would consider it to be a big shift uh, in, in the research, uh, who was going to do research and so on, because of that particular situation. You know, we really still don't know what CCC, CCD really is. We've got an idea, it, it's, uh, we've got people that are talking about it, and they've researched it and so on, but it's still out there as, uh, that's what created this kind of a new area for people to do research in, in honeybees with reference to that particular, if you want to call it, a disease or, or situation or whatever, and from that, from that uh, discovery in 2006, from that particular thing, that was a. By the way, if you know the history of that, that was created by a beekeeper up in the north, in the northeast of the United States, who lost all his bees, and that was from that came colony collapse disorder. And then the the new research outfits that came out of that would be one, one that we know about is what's called Project Apis M. That's uh, I, yep. I, I, and then Project Apis M now is 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 uh, cooperating with the
0: National Honey Board. And they're doing a lot of great research. It's really good. Yeah, good they are they are funding a phenomenal research and I don't know if you know, I am covering cu- a couple of those research articles in my channel and Protect Apes M right now is one of my collaborators. Yeah, so they we'll work All, together. So which is how
1: so as you do you're saying you're you're also <laughs> you know, you're in a way trying attempting to, to kind of come together with these two particular things we're talking about. And uh, the other thing is uh, Randy Oliver. I noticed that you've got something on your, on your uh, uh, InsideTheEye.TV with, with a, a couple of uh, interviews of Randy Oliver. Uh, yes. Doing, he's scientificbeekeeping.org. Now, here's a guy who's a beekeeper, has some scientific training, and uh, he's, uh, he's looking at this from a scientific area, and it's worth looking at his, his, his uh, particular website and his activities uh, because again he's uh, this is this is a shift a little bit because you have got a beekeeper who really is a scientist.
0: Uh, 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 I I also grew up with you. And and that's really, the other aspect of it. He's a right for for many years. Randy is a good friend for many years. I love Randy. We should call Randy and make many many Randy Olivers in different in different areas of the country in different environments because I think what he's doing is very good. Uh, and the research, research, and the results he's getting is very important. Uh, one thing that I, li- I always like to stress is: it's very important for the area where he is, and that's has right. been oh, the the problem California, California. with people trying California. to use the same the, the same right. protocols and results and trying to accommodate that for other environments and other bees. Right. That sometimes get some problems, but. I agree with you. I think we Randy is a phenomenal example of how things should be done. You know, he's a scientific guy. He has deep knowledge about bees. He's a beekeeper himself, and he's doing a phenomenal job. We should have many, many, many Randy Olivers in different locations of the planet. That for sure.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. That would be a good idea. We do have a guy up here in Georgia, Bob Beatty. I don't know if you've heard of him or Yeah, not. I know. Of, uh, and I think I think what we should do maybe maybe we should do some podcasts on these particular areas uh, per, and see what's going on with that. Because, uh, you know, we're kind of in a, in a situation here where we've got a lot of things going on, but I don't think we're going to have much, much uh, without consolidating this uh, particular areas and say we're going to have a podcast about, you know, Randy Oliver. We'll have a podcast about Bob Benny, We'll have a, content, con, a a thing about, uh, you know, Sam. I thinking we could do that. Yeah, we kept do- have it, all this event with one particular podcast.
0: Yeah, I would not be, I, I already, we can invite Randy, we can invite anybody, professor, we can even go there if you want to go to a trip. Let's, well, that's that doesn't get to watch, sure. Let's hit the road, no places. I, I'd i love to, to visit uh, uh, Bob and Randy and many other beekeepers uh, that are out there that, sh- you know, I would love to tell their stories. So let's, let's plan to do this in the future.
1: I think again, we can reassure, you've already done some of this with Randy. I think you got a couple of uh, in- interviews with him. Yeah. You I'm going to leave,
0: I'm gonna leave in the link, a link in the description of the video or the description of the show, if you're listening in uh, your podcast provider that you like, I'm going to leave the links of all everything that we uh, were talking about here. All the links are going to be there. So, uh. The, The Website of Dr. Malcolm Samford, uh, Randy Oliver's website, my one website, his uh, his book, everything is going to be there so you can easily access uh, everything we're talking about here.
1: APSM, particularly, I've heard APSM and other whatever you're doing with them, it's important that if you're doing something with them now, that that'd be something that's currently happening. We could also maybe feature that as a a podcast in itself.
0: Yeah. We can we can plan to do that
1: ahead. Uh why is it what we're doing here is brainstorming right now. We're not really
0: uh <laughs> yeah. We're not we're subjects. We were changing subject a little, but yeah, that's right. fine. That's that's the the good of this podcast without script. We are we like to do well, that. That's right, we're not a script, that's for sure. we I have script, we'll <laughs> go with that <people. laughs> But may- I'll catch I see. Are we in this thing for about a half an hour now? Yeah, we half an hour. I don't know how much more time people are always going to be listening
1: to us. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think we might be we might be in a in a position where we have to decide. You know, well, okay, look, we can continue this this particular discussion. We started it off now. Yeah, we started it off. So let's yeah, put so, this yeah. way. Now we can see we can use various various kinds of things to try to figure out what's going on with that. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I, I'm not familiar with these podcast situations. I don't really know, you know, what's uh, what is uh, what others are doing, but I'm I'm looking. I'm, I've got some other references. We've got several other podcasts, by the way. Not the only podcast. I... going one you got the Kim Father Follum, has got his podcast. Jim Two's got his podcast. You know, there's uh, several different people that uh, that have podcasts in different places. And, uh, that's, that's something
0: too that could be looked at. Yeah. Yeah. We can look, we can bring them to them to the show too, to talk about things. So, uh, so this is, uh, he, this is what I'm going to do then. Let's, let's wrap this up here right now. Let's yeah. wait for more feedback from people. So if you are uh, watching this on YouTube, leave a, a comment, uh, to, uh, that's uh some questions about that you want to, that you got from this podcast and then we can continue the next chapter based on those questions and your comments everything that you interact with us over there is going to be, become material for us to to for the for the for the next episodes of this podcast what do you think professor yeah i mean
1: you could spend a whole a whole year on this kind of stuff it just yeah. basically looking at it within the context of what we talked about today now examine Specific instances of what we talked about had problems. You know, that we were talking about within the consents. Kind of Look at what uh, what people are doing and uh, and go from there.
0: Yeah, and, and don't feel, be afraid. Ask any questions. We're going to get all those questions and, and bring to new podcast episodes with answers uh, from our private research. We're going to do independently here in the channel, myself and Dr. Sanford. And then based on your questions... We're gonna try to to help out, bringing you some answers that we find around, around the internet or around our communities here.
1: Well, the other the other thing you could probably maybe look at explore is instead of having just you and me on this podcast, if you could get like Randy Oliver on there, we could talk to him. It'd be yeah. all three of us talking to this guy or something like that. I don't know if that's possible, but that's- is. Uh, I, I, I that think is. it. I can call Randy right now. And invite <laughs> Well, that might be a little too much, a little tough, but, but anyway. That, that, that's I, get
0: I, I, our yeah. Uh, let me see how Randy is doing. He's very busy and other things. Yeah, in his yeah. life, let me make sure everything is fine. We can schedule. Yeah. Let's bring everybody to the show. Uh, I have a lot of people who want to talk and I want these people on the, on the podcast with you on the podcast, because you bring a completely different angle of questioning and and background that is different from me. And I think it's going to complement a lot what, what I'm doing here in this show. So one more time, Professor, it's always a pleasure to have you here.
1: Yeah, great talking to you. I, I think we're again, we're just brainstorming now. So that's, that's and I'm not happy with brainstorming. That's something that, that makes uh, quite a difference. If you do it uh, for a period of time, you,
0: you do come up with results. Yep. So this podcast is very interactive. We want to hear from you at home. And yeah, don't be afraid to reach out to us and ask questions and we're going to bring answers in this podcast. Professor, anything else you want to add before I wrap this up?
1: No, I think that's that's pretty good. I think again as I say we, we we're kind of fumbling around a little bit to try to figure out what we would would go for the future and I think that's what that's what we did, we brainstormed and we got some ideas. So we get up some ideas from people that are looking at this and we kind of go from there.
0: Yep. Sounds yeah. good to me. And your first subject, I think it was a very good one, very important one. This relationship with beekeepers and researchers. And I'm sure we're gonna do a lot of other episodes on this same uh, subject because people are gonna ask you, ask us a lot of questions for sure. All right. All right, so. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Inside the Hive.TV, the show Bob Beast. See you guys next week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Inside the Hive.TV podcast is brought to you by our fans on Patreon. On Patreon, you can access all episodes before anybody else and exclusive content, like behind-the-scenes videos, live streams, and more. If you want to learn more about honeybees and help me to make more content about honeybees to everybody, please visit patreon.com slash Inside the Hive TV and join our community.